Welcome to Paint on Politics, a podcast where host Dr. Gregory Payne of Emerson College sits down with fellow experts to discuss the current state of politics, public opinion, and global affairs. In a world growing increasingly complex, communication and critical thinking is key. This only makes the Emerson motto, expression necessary to evolution, more true. Hello, this is Gregory Payne, the Chair of Communication Studies, also the co-director of the Emerson Blancarna Global Center, and I'm here for another edition of Pain on Politics with two change agents who are truly transformative. A couple of weeks ago, we had both of them on pizza and politics, and I said, Neil, Nico, we've got to get you back. So welcome, Nico, and welcome, Neil, Thank you for to Pain on Politics. Thank you, Thank you. good to be back. Yes. Well, Nico, you are a, an alum, of course, mm-hmm. and maybe what you could do is just give those people watching a synopsis, you were a great soccer player, you went with us to Iowa, we've got pictures outside, everyone says they want to be Nico when they grow up. <laughs> so tell us what you've done since graduating. Yeah, I've done a lot of things uh, in the world of uh, journalism um, and mentorship and education. Uh, most recently, I uh, just achieved my master's in education at Harvard University. Thank yes. you very much. That's across the river somewhere, right? Yes, Harvard? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just over there, yeah. And, uh, and since then, I've actually had the pleasure of coming back uh, and teaching at Emerson. You did. And everyone says, when, when is Nico coming back? I'm coming back this spring. I heard. Yes, yes. yes. So second semester. So I'm really excited for that. Well, also, Neil, you and I know each other for a variety of reasons. But one is, they say, when a crisis occurs, there's an opportunity. And after the Newtown shooting, mm. I know you and I had been working together some, but we then went down to Newtown. And we started working with the Bird Street Project. And since that time, you've taught at Emerson. You've had just a transformative experience in the Boston Public Schools and now are in Brookline. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing now in terms of being an effective change agent. Always striving to be a change agent to, you know, young, uh, uh, aspiring souls that just want to receive uh, love, attention, and direction, moving in the right direction you know, moving in the right area. So I'm excited about what we have done together in terms of uh, allowing uh, ourselves to build bridges with the Boston inner city community and Emerson College. And then also what, um, you know, I've been fortunate to be able to do as an educator in the Massachusetts state public system. Um, I say that because I meet uh, wonderful kids every day. Uh, I'm a change agent. I service these kids and their families. And I just really try to make a difference and uh, be that support system so that they can have that wonderful educational experience that I once had growing up as well. Okay, I want to come back to that in a moment. But Nico, when you graduated, I know you worked for the, uh, you worked for government over in Cambridge. Mm And you and I kept up with each other. And I remember once we had a discussion, I said, you, I think you need to do maybe look at, you know, the next step. You got your master's over at that school, which, mm-hmm. of course, is an Emerson shadow when the sun <laughs> comes up. But unfortunately, Harvard catches up with us. What do you think you gained there and what do you want to do as your next step? It's a great question. Uh, I think I had a really good understanding of my immediate surroundings. But I think Harvard opened my eyes to an international con- uh context and I also think it helped me kind of understand more of my intersectionality right so more of my different identities and how they kind of phase through I think that's important to understand self um, because how can you help others without first understanding yourself and if you can understand your identity better you can better empower others to do the same 
Um, and what I really mean by that is I think I had a deep understanding of myself, right, as, you know, in an American context, but, you know, what is, what is my American privilege? What, is, what does it mean to, you know, grow up in a... Because, again, I think I want to be clear. I think I've always had this understanding of second-class citizenship in, a, you know, in an abstract way, right, but here in the States. But I think being at a place that's so international and seeing people from all walks of life mm-hmm. and also all walks of this country, not just this Northeast perspective or even this East Coast perspective, um, you know, it really allowed me to see that you know, people had all types of understandings of the world and backgrounds, um, but the one common link in all of that is education, right? How much do we know about each other? How much do we know about the world around us? Um, and that's also just a real, it's a great common link and it's a great way to, to really understand kind of uh, the world around you and better understand yourself, like I mentioned earlier. Well, you know, Neil, when I remember when President Pelton uh, said that he heard about Newtown, that he pulled, uh, pulled the car over and he yeah. and his daughter cried about this. <laughs> and he said to all of us, we need to really start working toward doing something to eradicate violence. And I know you and I talked about what you were doing at Bird Street. You were a very, very important leader there. And you introduced, uh, I introduced you to Spencer, and you introduced us to that entire group of incredible kids. I know when we came down, we had pizzas, whatever, and then all of a sudden I remember Randy and Jamilson, with whom we both kept up with, mm-hmm. said, my gosh, you all came back. I mean, what was it like for you to work at Bird Street, which is an after-school after, after school program with uh, kids who have some challenges? So it's it's something that's been near and dear to me. It's something that... I've always cherished my experience there um, was a wonderful experience just really getting to know individuals who uh, you know might not have the best situations might not be uh, living the most affluent lives uh, in terms of their family structure but they 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 dream just like us they want to be successful just like you know anyone uh, that you know or, or we all know and they get up every day and try to search and find that. And when they do that, they look for support. They look for support in uh, certain areas. And that's where, you know, someone like myself comes in and I feel, um, you know, very fortunate and honored to be able to sit with young youth like that and have conversations and, you know, speak about things that I've went through personally and my experiences and just be able to share, um, you know, some of the the uh, trials and tribulations that I've been through and, and give them hope and give them um, a clear um, you know, path to some of their aspirations in which might be cloudy at certain times when they are uh, in unfortunate circumstances or situations that are close to home in their community. Right. Okay, I want to come back to that in a second. But Nico, you have been as Neil, a very successful athlete, and you've used soccer as a means of soft power and connecting. You mentioned the word intersectionality. Uh, what does that mean, and why is that such a driving force in terms of where you want to go in the future? Uh, it's a great question. I really do see sports as this great melting pot. I, I just talked about the, the team that I coach. Uh, I coach soccer at Cambridge Engine Latin, which is the high school in Cambridge, right across the river. Um, and I'm also an alumni, right? And so being on that team, coaching that team, I mean, there are probably about 12 different languages being spoken. There's kids who grow up in the poorest areas of Cambridge, and there's kids who grow up in the wealthiest areas of Cambridge. And, and somehow, they're, they're all here, they're teammates, they're brothers, there's camaraderie, there's real compassion, understanding. Um, and I think that's the real power of sports. It was the same here at, at Emerson. You had people from all over the world on this team. 
uh, and you really start to understand, right, not in this, this corny or this, this over-intellectualized way, but you really just start to understand people for people. Um, and sports has that power, it has that ability to bring people and put them in the same space um, and give them a common goal to, to work towards. Um, you know, and I also just think, you know, sports is this amazing place because, you know, it's something I tell my, my kids all the time, it's, at least for me as a coach, it's the only time that they'll ever be judged purely on their ability mm -hmm. and not on what they look like, what they sound like, where they're from, how much money their family has, um, you know, even their size. I, I just want to see that if you, if you put in the work, there's a direct correlation mm -hmm. to what you succeed in the field. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of society is is prejudiced in some kind of way or you know it holds kids back or at least you know gives them the illusion that they're not worthy or they're not deserving of to be in and so sports is the one one place in the world where you get what you put in and i think that's such a valuable lesson it was for me and i hope to repay that by giving kids the opportunity to do the same well i think it, we you make us very very proud of emerson because one of our traits is we really want you to get out in the community be immersive have an experiential experience and I think that you've done that whether it be trudging through Iowa or Wisconsin <laughs> where you were uh, of course uh, working with Bernie Sanders campaign. Neil <laughs> coming back to you uh, what's interesting is you speak very openly that when you were of a certain age that you had challenges and you had troubles your mother is a saint you know she was someone who worked very hard for you to really have an education I think what's intriguing to me and why I, what I admire so much about you is you're first of all one of few people of your age, of your color, in the school systems in Massachusetts. I think in Boston Public Schools, which you were in, and I do want to say that your friends at Henderson uh, say hello to you. We were there for the uh, On the Same Page piece. Wonderful to hear. Wonderful, Wonderful. to hear. Yeah. And Kathy Edelstein, when you listen to this, she'll know that your good friend Neil yeah. is saying God bless you for all the books of color as well as ethnicity because you're reading stories about them, not about white people, which has always been the case. As someone who really is committed to making a difference, I've seen you work with people that have tremendous disability issues. Mm -hmm. What is it that, you know, you could be making a lot more money doing some other things, but you decide you really want to dedicate yourself to being a teacher, to being a change agent in the public schools. Why? Uh, I want to say it's that connection as well to uh, sports, as Nico has just mentioned. Um, you know building that unified approach. I think sports um, allows you to, uh, you know, see certain successes uh, when you practice and then you demonstrate that practice and that success or that uh, camaraderie between the team and the players on the field. Uh, for myself, sports was uh, a major thing growing up. Um, and it allowed me to be the individual who I am today. And I say that to say uh, I'm someone that once I start something, I really want to pursue it, drive through it, practice it, and see it through to completion. Uh, and I think a lot of our inner city kids sometimes don't have that male figure mentor or any sort of mentor to teach them that and the importance of that. Right. And I think sports helps to do that for them as well. Um, so I'm able to make that connection. And just when I see, uh, you know, a young person, uh, you know, ask questions, engage in the dialogue, go through the aha moments and ask, um, you know, things that are really 
compassionate to them and allow them to, you know, dream further. And then they can make that connection to something that they're dedicated to. For example, sports, playing basketball, playing for a basketball team or playing for a football team and make that connection as well to their education and finishing, uh, you know, their elementary school years and going on to high school and graduating high school and moving on to college. That sense of accomplishment is what I, um, you know, is why I became a teacher okay. and is what I want to see on a regular basis and uh, is what I went through as a youth in connection with sports. Well, you know, at Emerson, and especially at the department, which is the first uh, school of communication, first department of communication in the country, we believe in immersive experiential education. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because, Nico, when you were here, you were playing, you were also involved in a lot of activities that took you into the community. Mm -hmm. Neil, we knew you because Emerson is committed, and our department especially, committed to getting into the community and bringing students in. Mm -hmm. What do both of you, you going out and bringing people in and you being out coming in, what do you think is the magic sauce with regard to what makes this experience so special? I'll let you speak first. Yeah, it's a great question. I'm actually grappling with I it. I think just building those bridges, you yes. know. Um, I think Nico spoke about it before. We all have unique perspectives. Mm -hmm. And when we bring each other together and we engage in the dialogue and we talk about where we came from and where we're going, it just builds that, um, uh, that driving force that makes you want to continue towards success and be change agents. Yeah, and I also just think, I mean, it's, it sounds so cliche on a podcast, but it really is true. The older I get, the more it's reinforced to me. But we have so much more that connects us than separates us. Yes. And I feel like when you really start to peel back, right, the, the layers of, of the human experience, right, and it, at the end of the day, we're, we're all just, you know, we're brothers, we're sons, we're, some type, we're, we're caregivers, we're mentors, we're coaches. And, and so when you, when you can really connect on some of those more basic human levels, um, you start seeing people for people. Um, and you can really start to have, you can find the, the, the humanity, the humor in life, the, the tragedy too, you can relate on that sense. And I think that stuff really does connect us and it, it makes us feel more connected because you realize that, uh, hey, me and you are not so different after all. I think also what I've noticed is that when, when done correctly, mm -hmm. when done activity-based in a fun way, learning is awesome. Learning is a great experience. Um, you know, from the youngest kid to the oldest individual, learning something new, learning something about a different culture or a different perspective is extremely fun and can be just, a, you know, a, a, a groundbreaking experience that can change your life forever. And I think the reason why, I was just reflecting on, the reason why it, it feels so cliche to say that is mm -hmm. because oftentimes it's done really unauthentically mm -hmm. right and so it's done in a way that just is doing it for the sake of doing it and not really actually taking the time to the, develop a space where people feel safe to be themselves Absolutely. right where they feel safe Absolutely. to take off their armor and say all right i'm willing to expose my humanity make mistakes and, yeah yeah 100 mm -hmm. yeah exactly a, mm -hmm. a space to make mistakes and and again going back to sport i think that's actually a, I, that's what makes sport so powerful is because Absolutely. it is a place where yeah, sometimes you miss the, the, the basket or the goal. Absolutely. Or you, sometimes, you, you know, you have a slow day at practice or you miss whatever and, and you're just running a little slow that day. And so people can actually kind of see mm -hmm. and it breaks down that humanity in, in real time in a way that everyone can kind of see, you know, uh, people for people. Absolutely. 
I think what I find when we think back of the Bird Street Project and some of the projects, uh, Nico, that I know you're aware of is, I remember talking to Astrid and Jamilson uh, and DJ, would, and we've kept that relationship going even though it you know, began during uh, the uh, Newtown tragedy scenario. They said to us, okay, many people come to Bird Street, like you and Spencer, you drive up, you bring the pizza, you bring the Coke, you get the picture and you leave, but you all came back. <laughs> and you know, we've kept coming back, you all have kept coming back. We have an incredible relationship, an incredible friendship, which to me is truly unique. Uh, at Emerson, I sometimes hear a lot of people talk, talk, talk about diversity, inclusion, and justice. And I like to hear the talk, but I also like to see people match the talk with the walk. And whether it be going to Tulsa, whether it be doing stuff with Team Harmony, I think what this department and people I know really like to do is put that into action. What's great about you two is you epitomize that spirit, that can-do spirit. Question I would like to ask both of you, because I'm truly impressed and invested in your futures. Five years from now, what would you like to be doing? Oh, that's a great question. I'll let Neil answer this one first. <laughs> I think I'd like to continue to be engaged in, you know, the open dialogue that makes a difference in our, uh, our society um, that moves individuals of color forward. Um, you know, in my lifetime, I've seen unique change. I've seen, uh, when I was a, at a young age, the individuals that would come and say hello and then never show up again, like you mentioned. And I think over time we've become a lot better, we've become a lot closer in terms of different races and ethnicities um, and building those relationships and making a real difference in the world um, and here in America as well. And I think I want to continue to be someone who pushes that forward and finds a way to, you know, be a leader in that way so that we can make this world what it should be, um, you know, a place where we can be safe, a place where we can all be successful, a place where we can all take care of our families, and a place where, you know, you, you, you can meet different walks of life, invite them to your home, invite them to, out to eat, feel comfortable, and, and just enjoy this life that we live. It's a great answer. Yes. I, I think for me, I, the reason I laughed at the beginning, I think my younger self it really wanted to, to grab the biggest possible levers and start pulling them, start yanking them, right? This institutional, this grand sweeping change. Um, but the older I get, I actually think about the difference that I've, I've really made. And so like, on paper, I've done some impressive things in the world of journalism, academia, public mm -hmm. policy, whatever. But the place where I've actually made the most difference is being a high school soccer coach. Right, and that's where I can really trace. And I, I you know, every day I, I come and I create a space for people to be themselves, uh, to push themselves, to learn about things, to, for, to be challenged. You know, I also think about the importance of representation. You know, how great is it for kids of color to have a black coach, right, a black educator? Um, but then also, how great is it for the for the majority of, of of my white players to also see a black man in a position of power, an educated black man, etc., and have their worldviews changed and challenged as well, even if they're they're well intentioned. Um, and so, interestingly enough, I actually want to kind of get smaller and more niche. I think the more I can impact my direct community, uh, the more I can actually end up pulling those larger levers in the, in the long run. Um, and I think that uh, you're right, if you can affect your community, if you can affect the smallest possible space, that space can be a shining example for everyone else. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, it's not about shooting to the moon. It's actually about 
kind of digging in and getting as close to home as possible. Okay, well, one thing I would say is it's very clear what I listed to both of you that you really identify sports as we know. It could be sports, it could be art, it could be food, it could be whatever, as a means of really building those bridges. I think a key for our department, communication studies, is building bridges, whether it's locally, whether it's Barcelona, as we've talked about, the upcoming summit last year at the Global Summit down at the Watergate. I'm very proud that the professors here believe in that. I'm also very, very proud of the fact that Shepard, our administrative associate, is coaching over at Harvard and probably going to bring in some of those people to Emerson, which of course is where the sun begins of a morning, uh, to begin maybe a master's <laughs> program here. What I would say to both of you is when I look at you, I think there's one little piece of unfinished business that you both have, and I think that within the next five years, you'll come back to paint on politics, and I'll be saying, hello, Dr. Nico, and hello, Dr. Neil. So with that, how about your hashtag in closing? Hashtag, well, off camera, we were actually just joking about the PhD program. Yes, <laughs> it's, uh, I realized, too, again, about impacting your, your you know, I also didn't mention, right, in addition to coaching high school soccer and making an impact there, whatever, I've also found a way to make a real impact here at Emerson, and that's by teaching in the classroom, yes. right? And that's not about, you know, lecturing to 200 students. It's about mentoring 20, right, and really working with them to help them understand and navigate the world and give them the same experience that I once had. I, I know this we wanted a hashtag, but I'll just end by saying, you know, school is not always a fun place for a lot of people mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons, mm -hmm. a lot of institutional you know, systemat systemic reasons. Mm -hmm. And so these extracurriculars, these spaces, these electives, right, they're actually a place where people can really authentically enjoy an, a university experience, a college experience, a, an institutional uh, experience. And so, you know, the PhD allows me, I think, to, again, get more involved in that micro world, uh, do more teaching, impact more students. Um, and if that's uh, the way that I can do that, uh, I hope it's in my future. Okay, Dr. Harris. Hashtag PhD pain on politics. <laughs> okay, well, listen, what I would say is it's not often that I'm able to talk to two people that are just favorites. I think they epitomize what we say at Emerson, that is expression necessary to evolution. And President Bernhardt, these are two people that we need to invest in because they're the change agents we're always going to be proud of. Thank you. and. Come back soon, doctors, to paint on politics. Thank Sounds you. Good. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye.